Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. After Party Pod is brought to you by the book Ending Addiction for Good, which is by Cliffside Treatment Center founder and CEO Richard Tate and Dr. Constance Scharf, Cliffside's addiction researcher. Through self-disclosure, case studies, scientific facts, and firsthand experience, Tate and Scharf explain how anyone can recover from addiction. I'm a big fan of the book. It's I'm not the only one. It's received rave reviews, and it also made it into the VMA's gift bag, and you just know those people need to hear this message. You can get the book by going to Amazon, or you can go to Cliffside's website, which is cliffsidemalibu.com. Get the book. Get it now. I recommend it. Well, hello there. It's Anna David with After Party Pod. Oh my God, do I have good news for you guys today. I don't even know that there are appropriate words in the English language that have been invented yet that that could do justice to John DeVore. He is, um, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I I should just be silent because I don't know that there are words. He is a, a writer. Right now he's the managing editor of an Emmy award-winning website, but he has written many, many things, all of them intelligent. He has written uh, for the Frisky, giving a sort of men's advice column. He has written for Maxim, where he helped launch the website, and he wrote uh, for and edited the magazine and and rejected me, as we get into in, um, in the interview, when I was trying to write for his section of the magazine. He had a very popular a radio show with a woman named Diana Falzone and it was called Devore and Diana and it was on Sirius's Maxim radio channel for for years and years and years and uh, he most importantly he's a friend of mine and he's somebody that I that I knew back when he was boozing and as I told him in the interview he was someone I could always very much tolerate despite the, the drunkenness because he's he's so intelligent and so funny that that, sh- that would show through the drunkenness. And dear God, that is not always true of people. So with that, I am going to introduce you to my delightful guest for this edition of After Party Pod, John DeVore. I enjoyed that... Uh that uh, the what did you tales enjoy? of lust oh, you did? I saw uh, with Sarah at that truly bizarre venue. <laughs> um, 
we but now we're actually recording and I know I know I mean it's not that we can't talk about true tales of lust and love Let's I do was some just I just thought I would start by it with a compliment by flattering you <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of your of your work <laughs> well John yeah let's talk about how <laughs> I'm a big fan of of your work you just and went into you, host voice which is why you're sitting yeah. here on my is that couch. why yeah I really am I don't know that you know this um, but but in a sense, we've known each other a long time. Yes. And in fact, we've known each other even longer than you know, because um, <laughs> you looked. Is this going to get weird? <laughs> Is this going to get? Uh, now I'm interested. You looked nervous before any of that just happened. Why? What? what how, no, what? it's really not interesting at all. It's oh, just okay. that. Well, that let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that when you were living in New York and I was living here in Los Angeles, uh-huh. the better city. I mm-hmm. was a free, I would say a successful freelance writer, mm-hmm. and I did a piece for um, Laura Gilbert uh-huh. when she was still at Maxim. Maxim Magazine? Maxim Magazine, I the, believe. The New Yorker for morons, <laughs> that's right. Oh, I, okay, so you wrote for Laura. Great editor, fantastic uh, yeah. magazine editor. Fantastic. Yeah. Currently at, at UFC. Yes, she Vegas. lives, yeah, she's in Vegas, and, and she's working for that hugely successful yeah. Uh, so back company. back when she knew how to spot talent because she she was like you are terrific at this and then she was said you're so great. I remember she was really pleased. I wrote a head and deck that she used. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Who cares? This isn't about me. It's really about you. I think. So she it remains had, to be seen. I don't know yet. <laughs> left Maxim. Uh huh. And and I really was looking for freelance work and she said well you have got to email John Devore. He is so funny. And he really gets it, and I think he'll really like you. Mm-hmm. And so I would say five, six emails potentially went unanswered. You didn't know me. You know what I mean? You were just a busy guy. Very busy, very powerful very editor. Powerful. Very powerful editor. New York for a, for a magazine <laughs> with a 3.5 million paid subscription. That was right. a powerful right. douchebag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. were you actually a douchebag, or were you just overworked? Or? Uh, well, let's... Uh, wow. I didn't know that you had pitched me. I don't think, yeah. I don't were think the, well, the first question is, were the pitches any good? <laughs> I think, I'll, I'll tell you that I made a good living for many, many uh-huh. years as uh-huh. a freelancer surviving on my pitches. They seem to work for Details, Cosmo, Red Book, Playboy. Maybe not good enough for Matt. Uh, you know, the short answer could just be the patriarchy. <laughs> uh, the long answer, I didn't I, know that you pitched me. Well, here's the thing. Um, it could have been any number of yeah. things. Like, I... I tell freelancers when you're pitching an editor uh, to, like you did, unsuccessfully, yeah. but to pitch multiple times because you yes. have to assume, and also to spend a lot of time on that subject line because uh, uh, yeah. the, success, uh, the, the the email box of uh, of an editor is oftentimes just this this snowfall of right. PR. Uh, emails and work emails and pitches, right. so it's very easy to get buried. Um, I would also say that during those years at Maxim, uh, I... You were drinking quite a bit. Well, I had this thing called the key to the gear closet. What? Well, you know how on, like, uh, the Devil Wears Prada, they had the... Uh, the clothes. The fashion closet. Yeah. Where the... Or Stanley Tucci, the, the gay fairy yeah. godmother, would Takes dress. Takes in there, yeah. Right? Um, I had the, the bro version of that, the access to the bro version where of that. Where was in there? And the gear closet was... Was thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of um, video game consoles, DVDs, uh, Nerf guns, uh, uh, 
you know, all manner of toys, flat screen TVs, and, what? and a lot of liquor. Right. I would get sent liquor all the time because right. I'm a men's, you know, one of the very few things that a men's magazine can write about. Right. You know, is, is beer. Right. Uh, boobs and, and bacon. And right. Like, you know, and toys. So right. we would get, I'd get cold pitches for liquor stories. You're saying that you were drinking the liquor, playing a video game, watching a flat screen TV and throwing a Nerf ball, and that's why you were too busy to respond to my pitches? Um, well, I, you know, I'm sure I'm a terrible person. There's that, too. I'm a terrible person. I was drinking, I was living the life. No, uh, yeah, I just wasn't that important. Is really, I mean, look. Look, any, uh, any, any, any editor who's in charge of a large free, uh, pile of freelance money uh, gets cornered like yes. this at least once or twice. Not always on a podcast. Not always on a podcast. No, not at all. Um, yeah. And they always get asked why? Why not my pitch? Yeah. Um, and and yeah, yeah. The answer is it, it got buried, yeah. or or also it's human nature too. Like um, no one, you would not. You know what? It, it, it's decent and professional. And as I matured, yes, I've learned to do this. Uh, but it's it's mature to shoot someone down. Yes. No. But my you know, theory and to be a better editor, yeah. I would have engaged a, 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 a spunky, talented freelancer and uh, and told him or her uh, specifically what I needed to be pitched. Well, the only inter- the most did you know what I needed? I think I did. I also was doing a lot of maximum cover stories at the time. Well, you did a lot of the uh, the, the sex writing. I, I did, but I did a lot of the celebrity interviews too. You did do that, absolutely, so, absolutely. So, so I, and I did neither of those things. So why were you pitching me in the first place? Because I think I wanted to <laughs> dominate Maxim Magazine. I was like, I got, no. I don't know. You dodged that bullet. Um, so no, I, I wrote for them happily for years, and um, yeah, it was a great gig. It was a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it was also a, 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 another era. It was a very Gen X bro sort of like yeah, you know, like like era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were you were. Right in the middle of that. So, yeah. so, but then I, I would go to New York periodically and I would do like radio, serious radio shows. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. had the pleasure of doing your radio show, Devore and Diana. Yeah, see, we booked you. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I know. But you did, did, was that money? I, I'm after the green stuff and I don't mean pot. Um, I gave you a platform. You did. And how generous of you. I know. Um, no, and you were, you were so, you were so, I me. Mean, I so got how funny and, and smart you were. And that was, it was such an interesting combination, you and Diana. And that ran for years and years, correct? Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, Ma- Maxim was uh, a strange experience, if only because I came to New York uh, as a playwright. And I, uh, when I got hired at Maxim to launch their website, I was, you know, I was doing a lot of like experimental weird like arty sort of stuff so that I would become one of the voices of high-end frat boy America is something that always uh, surprised me. I didn't know this about you. Oh, oh sure. I mean, you know, when I wrote for Maxim, when I would write for Maxim, what I would imagine as a, as a good hack, I was, I'm, I'm a hack writer, uh-huh. uh, I would sit down and imagine what my friends in Virginia and Texas uh, would be entertained by. Right. You know, there's a reason I moved to New York, and it was to get away from, right, from right. bros right. And, and tubing 
and watching football every Sunday. You right, know? right. Um, I wanted to spend my Sundays watching experimental dance pieces at PS122. Did you do that? Uh, oh, absolutely. Oh, I, 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 you know, um, I was, I'm very part of, the, or was when I was in New York, part of a, the Brooklyn, New York, uh, off-off-Broadway, like, experimental theater sort of scene. That's so interesting. Cause I mean, that's what I, that's, that was my passion. That Maxim paid my bills. Yeah. Maxim helped me produce a number of plays that I wrote and produced. They did? Well, my paycheck. It was my day job. I would oh, go. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah that's right. You know, and also, Maxim probably coughed up a few thousand dollars in um, Xerox copies yeah, of yeah, plays yeah. and what I called, what I used to call the uh, my art tax. Whenever okay. I would work at a company, I would, I would levy on that company what I called the art tax, okay. which was them letting me use their Xerox machine yeah. or their conference rooms or whatever. Right. And um, possibly some of their time of their opinion. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Um, so by the time, though, we got to Maxim Radio and I was kind of given free reign with Diana uh, and my producer, Leah, to, uh, to essentially yeah. re reinterpret Maxim for broadcast, yeah. um, I made it like a weird sort of expression. Okay. Of, okay. You know, of dude stuff. Well, it's interesting though, because I, I knew that um, in the last couple of years, I mean, since I lived in New York and left, I knew you had done a play. Mm -hmm. And my perception was, oh my God, look at John DeVore branching out. It did not, I did not understand no, that. The, yeah, did not And know. so I had two worlds, one yeah. of which were foodie theater people who drank like fish as show people do, uh -huh. you know this because Los Angeles is a show town, uh -huh. and actors and writers drink. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, on top of that, I was in an industry yeah. of drinkers, yeah. journalists, anxiety deadlines <laughs> in a man in a in a in a you know in a in a in a magazine that celebrated that well sure because that is a uh, that is uh one of the few expressions that that it's it's a masculine it's an expression of masculinity to be able to uh uh drink a lot well and you also, know and it's a bonding sort of thing and it's kind of like a like the drinking culture is uh, uh for many men is is you know it's a glue well also just so you know i do feel like the perception out there in those years that we're talking about, let's say that early aughts, was everybody who worked at Maxim was an alcoholic. I mean, that just sort of was what people thought. That's um, what people would say. They're all drunk. We would have well drunks. Yeah. That's yeah. The, yeah. Yes. And, 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 and there's and there's and in the terminology and in the prejudices of of sobriety. Yeah. That's a big difference because I would difference. I would call myself a drunk. I was a drunk. I was yeah. a good one though. I know. At Maxim. I had a wet bar in my fucking desk. Wow! All right, every yeah. day at five, and it was a it was a lot. You know, people people. You know, I make fun of Maxim, and in that way that you make fun of family, right? You know, right. Uh, and I, you know, and anybody in media, especially now, who would um, criticize Maxim. I, I agree with any criticisms, but my uh, my criticisms come from the inside and the fact that I worked on it a lot. Right. You know, I launched the magazine. Right. I, I mean, I launched the, the website, website with uh, with with friends of mine that I've known for you know twelve years now. I was on the magazine side. Yeah, I did the, the radio. radio. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I played the part. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. But, 
But no, I'm sorry. I, I said, no, I'm, go, 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 go. I feel bad for calling them all alcoholics when really it was just sort of. No, but, but many of us were. And potentially drug <laughs> But look, it is a, it is, it is, it's a fine, because like, we, we, the, we celebrate uh, substance abuse. Yes. You know, it's a romantic Dionysian uh, uh, sort of thing. And it's a fine line between that and then admitting um, that, you know, alcohol is the world's worst anxiety medicine. That right. you have uh, a predisposition or like, you know, or, or, or you just cannot drink. You are powerless. Uh, right. it's, a, it's a fine sort of line. Well, you know? I think it's really interesting. And, and my theory, I mean, we, we as a culture celebrate, um, we celebrate like, drinking wine and substances and and I would say that those magazines did veer into celebrating substance abuse. Oh, absolutely. But you know what? But, but in, in that in that way that rock and roll celebrates. Yeah. Uh, and and in that very adolescent romantic way that we, you know, like no one looks at Jim Morrison as a cautionary tale. Nobody whispers about Janis Joplin, you know, they're they're the saints of debauchery. You know, they are, you know, uh, they, they, there's just that sort of like, and it's, a, it's not just an American thing, it's a timeless sort of thing, you know, to, right. to celebrate that kind of uh, uh, revelry, you know. I mean, don't, less and less, wouldn't you say? I would say that uh, in terms of recovery, you know, we slowly as a, as a society are maturing. Yeah. But, but no, I mean. But, okay, so if we go from like celebrating... Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin mm. and, um, and even Kurt Cobain or, right. you know, it's kind of a different thing. But to now, it's like, Miley Cyrus and, oh my God, is she on Molly? And look at how... Um, Molly Cyrus is on Molly? Don't you read the internets? Are they saying that she's doing Molly? Uh, she's doing... Uh, okay, I am not here to educate you about pop culture. She has a song that she says we're doing Molly, you know, but then... Oh, does she reference Molly? But That's adorable. She, I hope Billy Ray loves her. <laughs> I hope she finally gets the love of her dad. You know what? I think she's fine. I think she's oh, yeah. fine and, like, oh, and no, like I, I, an I, excellent marketer. I yeah, mean, no, I, no, no. It's, I, a, it's, it's hack marketing, too, because it's not like she's even uh, uh, sowing uh, new ground. Right. It's just a cynical packaging of... Of, of of young female sexuality that had and she's like the fifth you know how many pop stars they've been since pop music right. began right you know, so it's not like it's even a real but I will say um, that I I do think I do think that that does influence teenagers but like her saying oh we're doing Molly at a party and then like rubbing the foam finger is not good. it's it's I think other people like are. Lady Gaga. I just talked about this on a television show, mm -hmm. so I have some sound bites no, for please, you. I love it. But um, but no, Lady Gaga went on What's What Happens and talked about. He said, how, "What about you and Molly?" And she said, basically, "Oh, I've, I can't remember how many times I've done it. Kids don't do it. You might end up like me," which is like the greatest endorsement right. the drug Molly has yeah. ever had. But okay, you know, you are, and I know. I mean, I, you have you have men, and possibly dated men. <laughs> Yeah. You love Jack Kerouac. Because, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. At one point. Because every writer, every male writer, to a certain degree, at, at one point, romanticized uh, uh, Jack Kerouac. Kerouac is a terrible writer. Just unreadable. Yeah, I don't um, know. Just terrible. Is Bukowski bad, too? Uh, Bukowski, I... I 
Bukowski is not entirely his hard-drinking stereotype. He can write some some crushingly beautiful mm -hmm. poetry that has nothing to do with getting wrecked. Mm -hmm. But a lot of young men, a lot of young men, creative men, mm -hmm. you, you, you romanticize mm -hmm. um, uh, these kinds of heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, the Hemingways, mm -hmm. the, the, the writers who were hard-drinking. And, mm -hmm. and it, you know, and as I look at, the, if you look at them objectively, these were all unhappy men mm -hmm. who probably could have written better right. if, if they weren't managing their manifold mental illnesses with drugs and alcohol. Yeah. But when you're 15, right, you know, right, um, right. You, you know the uh, uh, you know drugs and, and alcohol. These are these are powerful symbols of, of independence. Yeah, uh, they're powerful uh, individuality lubricants. People right. who you know, like if you're 15 and if you're 20 and you're you have so many anxieties and social fears, right. that booze, man, can, right. can can make you feel and act like the rock star you're too afraid to be. Oh, interesting. Um, and you know, because that's that's why you know I was I was I know it's hard to believe, but I was kind of a roly-poly nerd when oh. I went to college. I know, oh, I know. Man, I and look that. at the baller sitting on your couch I now. <laughs> um, uh, I, I did not have a lot of macho currency when I went to college. What I could do, though, was quaff an, am, an amazing amount of beer right. and, and tell jokes right. and uh, rib and insult and make fun right. of, you know, for whatever reason, I went to an art school that was part of a university. Where so did you go? I went to a school called uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, okay. and it has a very large state school. Uh -huh. Great use of money, uh -huh. state money. Uh -huh. um, but for whatever reason, I was parked in a frat dorm where uh -huh. a lot of frat guys were, uh -huh. um, which is one reason I make fun of them, but I also have a soft spot because I kind of saw the... You know, frats get a lot of... Frats are terrible, uh, oftentimes rapey institutions. But, you know, freshmen, all freshmen are scared little kids. Right, right. You know, it's, pick your... whatever you're afraid of. Um, so I had sympathies for them. But I could mm -hmm. drink and I could, you know... And they liked you. These uh, sure, yeah, because I could hold my, you know, that term, hold your liquor. Yeah. I wasn't a football star. Right. I wasn't... I didn't have that, that, that physical... Uh, uh, genetic gift but you had or your, discipline. Your wit. I had the wit, but only under the um, only under uh, medication, mm -hmm. uh, which was uh, the liquor. You know, the, my, my drink of choice, which was a, a boiler maker. You know, without the, liquor, you were your wit was gone. Uh, the courage, right? right uh, but right. no, that's not even courage, though, because people say that you you know what it is. Because I, uh, you know, it's a uh, just shitty. Anxiety movements. Yeah, lack of confidence, anxiety. Right, right. But it's not, you know, people think, oh, you know, liquid courage. It's not, it's not, it doesn't give you courage. Um, and it doesn't lower your inhibitions. It helps you manage uh, your fear because the, the fear is how much fear you have and how little fear you have is, right. is everyone's motivation for everything in life. I 100% agree with that. You know, so, so alcohol uh, allowed me to pathetically manage uh, my fears, right. and and in the three years uh, uh, plus that I had been sober, you know, um, the reason this has been a joyful and and humbling uh, experience for me uh, was uh, is seeing how poorly I handled my fears, mm -hmm. and how right now in my life, um, how I'm 
uh, how I feel brave for the first time because mm-hmm. I am I am tackling things that terrify me mm-hmm. uh, without any net. Like driving. Uh, driving is crazy. I hate it. I hate it. It's terrible. Every time I drive in LA, I'm like, this is the best we can do. This is the best human civilization can come up with is tens of thousands of autonomously piloted death machines. Piloted, by the way, by some supremely uh, thoughtless yeah. and stupid people. Yeah. 50, something like, it's over, it's over 50,000 people a year die right. on the American highways. That's twice as many as die from gunshot wounds. Right. Well, I think my fear of driving is well-founded. Rational. No, it's very rational, I'm sure, but you end up, I mean, here's the thing. This is my sense. My sense is that driving this fear of driving, mm-hmm. your feelings about driving influence your life more than they, one's fears about driving. My, my feelings about driving. Just because when you first moved here, I was terribly excited to hear this news. I felt oh. that it was Los Angeles' great gain. It's like when you pitched me a maxim. And, <laughs> and so, no, it was different. You did respond. Um, I, so I, e- I would email you and say, John, I'm so glad you're here. Let's hang out. And you basically said, and I, like, I want to bring you to this place, and I want you to introduce these people. And you basically said, well, I live and work in the valley, and I don't have a car. And, and so, and so, but then, but then you you got a car, and and then I think I was talking to Sarah about it, and she's like, no, no, he drives now. And just not to and, see Anna Davis. <laughs> no, but I, I think that with driving, it's just all you New Yorkers. You just have to get used to it. It's like I, you have um, to break through to the other side. You know, when I was ten, my sister was in a terrible accident oh. where she was in a coma for three okay, weeks. Okay, okay. And so when I hit sixteen, my parents and I just silently tr- traumatized. Oh. Silently, were just like, well, maybe you don't have to drive at sixteen. Uh, and I was like, and I was relieved. I went to an urban school in Richmond, didn't really have to drive, lived off campus, could walk the campus, moved to New York. Yeah. Um, so by missing, and I know now why we teach children to drive at 16. Why? Uh, because their relationship to mortality is, oh, is not set, and so they don't comprehend... The enormity of the risk they're taking. Right. And so... They're able to learn in this bubble of enthusiasm, and it becomes second nature. I see. This became a full-on blown yeah. control freak phobia. I moved here. Yeah. I I hired uh, a driving instructor. So cute. A nice racist uh, Iranian woman in, <laughs> from Glendale, uh-huh. who who loved making terrible Asian jokes. <laughs> Her way of telling me not to. Uh, not not to push the 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 gas. Wait, no. What would you do? I would. I, I was really heavy on the brake. Right. She said, "Don't be Asian." Well, no. What she would say, and so you know, I would hit the brake, and we would like you know, and our Lunch heads would forward, right, yeah. and she would go, she would she would go, no 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 no, don't make me act like a quote Chinaman, and then she would bow quickly, <laughs> to mi- you know, to kind of mimic. Because the, I was going to say she was making Asian driving jokes. Or references. I, I was, I was, I, she was an excellent teacher. I was mortified. Because then she would drive around and she'd just be like, watch out for Asian drivers, watch out for Hispanic drivers. She would get, go off on, on races. Terrible. Maybe she was just trying to help. 
maybe she saw this ball of fear that you have around it and was right. thinking that maybe those warnings would help. Right. Um, By turning me into But I went and I, I faced my fears. I mean, yeah. I took a driving instructor. Yeah. I, I had my intern, my 21-year-old uh, intern, drive me to get my, Cute. my learner's Cute. permit. Yeah. I failed my first driving test, uh-huh. passed my second, uh-huh. bought a used car. And that used car has mileage of what, like a couple, like hundred miles you put on it? Or? And let's talk about carbon footprints <laughs> no, and how you, some members of our society want the earth to, 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 okay. By the way, I drive like two, I drive less than any human being alive except for you. <laughs> except for me. <laughs> then, then we should be allied in this. <laughs> we should be allies in this, in this war against drivers. But like, the thing is you would, you would oftentimes, I even saw you do this, get into cabs constantly in New York. Yes. Where you are also at great risk. I had a cab driver fall asleep while driving me. Oh, sure, but it's a completely different matter. It's completely, it's completely different. You know what? I remember once, I remember a couple of times, because I was thinking on the way over here, I remember you leaving a party once. That happened a lot. And I was still drinking. Yes. But it was at a point where I also knew you were sober. Yeah. And, And I remember... Thinking I was judging you? No. No. You looked so bored. Oh, come on. And this so, is a horrible so story. An, just so annoyed. I would not, I would later understand why. Well, no, maybe I can explain why. I, no, because I've been to plenty of parties sober now where I'm just no. like, Whoa. no. Okay, you're, this is misrepresenting him. I will tell you something about me in New York. I fucking hated it so much that you would never know because I was trying so hard to like it. I hated almost every minute that I was that there. That boggles my mind. Yeah. I don't know what your problem is. Uh, I, I mean, it was, um, you're being facetious. I'm not being facetious at all. I, 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 so I, I was bored all the time. I, basically, I just never found um, my your friends. People. Yeah, yeah, ever. That's fair. And, That's I, okay. and I have never had that problem anywhere else. Right. And it's a big city, so you wouldn't think you'd have that problem. And I was just, I was bored all the time. I go to party sober constantly here, I'm, I, and I don't sit there bored. So that was representative of New York, not sobriety. Oh, I say. I so to... I love that you were judging me. You were like, oh, sober people are miserable. I'm sorry, like, I just want to take anime. back. Did I judge you? I made an observation. What party? I do remember. Uh, it was just with some random sort. One of those. One of those random. Yeah. Sloppy. Yeah. Because you know New York is yeah. the greatest drinking city in the world. Yeah. Or in the country, at the I'm not drunk all over the world. My ability. I even had. I had my home bar in Queens, where I lived with real people, because yeah. I'm a man of the people. Yeah. I'm not sure. an elitist like you. No. Or the rest of the media. Right. <laughs> no, I'm the media. Okay. I, uh, uh, Go on. You. Writer, creative arts. You. Um, it's an amazing drinking town. Yeah. You, you never. You can always get home. Yeah. Bars open till four. Yeah. And then the half of those bars. Uh, uh, if you're kind to the bartender, close their doors and stay open till. Yeah, time. yeah, that's good. I didn't know that. I mean, because um, I was always so bored and, and leaving parties. No, and just I remember distinctly. Giving my I remember distinctly. Party. You leaving and trying to get into a cab uh-huh. and say goodbye, and you just looked like, you know. Okay, first of all, the, all the whenever I saw you in New York. I will say that was like, there were a bunch of drunks around. It was always yeah, the absolutely. drunkest of the drunks. Right. 
And so I, yes. So you could have just been annoyed with me. Possibly it was a direct reflection of my feelings. It might have been because I never answered your stupid pitches. Probably. I, it sounds like I had a lot of reasons to resent you. <laughs> Why are we even doing this podcast? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm thinking. I got grievances against you too. No, but this is what I will tell you. I always enjoyed you. You were you. you I did think <laughs> you were a drunk. I really did think you were a drunk. Okay. Yeah, sure. No, that's but fair. But I always enjoyed you, and there are plenty of other people, especially in that crowd, that I thought were drunks that I did not enjoy. It didn't because, and, and I'm not trying to like you know like clear the air and like. What's start now? What's start now? <laughs> but you are so smart and so fun to talk to that even totally shit-faced, you were actually fun to talk to. That was a very drunk group of people. And you know yeah. what? And, and going back to that whole, you know, the, the thing between the drunk and the alcohol. Yeah. The alcoholic. Yeah. You know, it, it's... And I don't even know... I'd I, I go so far as to say that's... I, well, no. I won't say it's a, it's a, it's a gender thing. Because, no, because a lot of those uh, those drugs right. were women. But I mean, the hold on. Why do you think you get to leave? Oh, okay. I uh, I just don't know. I know in men, in male, stereotypical, uh, in groups of men that are ruled by by gender norms. Mm-hmm. I, I get the. Why men who can drink and shoot shit are valued mm-hmm. um, in 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 stereotypical gender like female circles? I, I don't know what the value is. Like like you know like if there's four women and one of them can really yeah no I don't think we I mean I I, I mean I, I I will just my experience was I could never find women who drank like me and, and wanted to do drugs like me. Uh, until I moved to LA, and it was like really? great. It was terribly exciting um, to find, and, and I mean, I, I found your, part, your party people. Yeah, and um, and it was um, and it was all free. It seemed to be free because I was working in the media then, you know. Um, and and I think that that was really dangerous and, and really excellent because I do think that like this is an amazing city to bottom out in. Um, you know, it's funny you say that because I've. Um... Because on one hand, I look around and I'm like, I don't know how I would have been a drunk in this city. Because of the driving. We just drove drunk. It was awful. Right. Well, that's what I've come to realize. Yeah, yeah. Is that, is that Another there Another feed right, into your Right. Carpet. I call it like yeah. between like, because uh, it's an, also an early city. Yeah. But there are nightmare hours where stupid yeah. people are drunk. Well, um, well, right, but like, also the one thing I find about Los Angeles is that, um, yeah, it, it's weird why it's a, you know, there's a... I was talking with friends about the romanticism of L.A. Mm-hmm. Like, like I romanticized New York uh, as an artist, as a playwright, mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, my New York is much different from the, the, the kind of hedge fund bro, uh, mm-hmm. high rises in Williamsburg sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but L.A., you know, what a, there's, a, there's a great, um, why can't I think of uh, the architect? Um, I'm not going to be any help here. This is a New York architect. He's like the most famous architect in the. John Lautner, is that an architect? No, more famous. Okay, I'm sorry. I only I, I'm I know the more obscure ones. <laughs> Rem Coolhouse, is that an architect? Don't do this to me. Oh, see now I need to know this. No, you don't. I'm trying to tell you something. You don't. Anyway, finish your sentence. He designed the Guggenheim. Yeah. Oh yeah, him. It doesn't matter. Go on. Uh. Well, no, I can't say the quote unless I... Oh, how about skip the story and let's go back to you. Do you edit this at all? No. No, you don't even remotely... <laughs> I was just 
wondering. I was like, you don't edit, do no. you? No. No, so any like so me getting up to get coffee. Yeah, everyone's gonna know that you just got up without explanation. Well then your uh, your listeners can I I'm gonna hate this, but there's a it's a yeah. quote that uh, that if you turn uh, the world on its side, everything All loose. All those pieces fall yeah, in LA. Right. A famous architect said that? Yes. I go I go around saying that and I've never it's yeah, a it's a, it's a misfit city. It's an escape city. It's no, a, but that's not and, what it means. And it's the story. Oh, it is. No, I'll tell you. Absolutely, what, it's what it means. Don't means don't you tell me what that. The, the people who are unstable end up here. The misfits. Oh, okay, yeah. I wouldn't say misfits and, and unstable necessarily always go together. I wouldn't. I would absolutely say that. Okay. Well, then we define misfits differently. Maybe you can get off your phone. Nobody cares. What I, you know, is. I, Frank Lloyd Wright. Oh, oh, him. The famous. <laughs> <laughs> Who are, let me look back for a second. Ram Kulas? Who are those other two that you were brought up? I'm, I was like, oh, yeah, no, not, not those two famous for, I don't know what They're the fuck. They're famous for architecture. They're not Frank Lloyd Wright. None of them are in a Simon and Garfunkel song. No, as far That's as famous. we know. That's famous. Yeah. He's like the most famous. Yeah, He's no. like the Beatles of American architects. Okay, fine. Fine. You're right. I'm very tired, but um, it's good It's good that you're keeping me on my toes <laughs> slash shaming you. How late were you up last night? It's not that I was up late. It, I was up sort of late for me, but I had my show last night, and every oh. single time, maybe this has to do with like alcoholism and addiction or something, um, I get my adrenaline gets going. Uh-huh. And so after the show, I, I, it's going, and then I fall asleep. And I always wake up super early the next morning with this sort of, like, lightness in my step. And I say, oh, that's just so weird. I, I was up late. I, I slept very little, and I just feel so excellent. And then at about 2 o'clock the, de- the next day, the, the fatigue of, like, 10,000 lives lived sets in. And that's what happened. And I do well, think... Don't. Don't. <laughs> We got another two hours to go on this unedited podcast. <laughs> but here's my point. Oh, oh this is the point I wanted up? to make. Uh-huh. And it reminds me of cocaine because, well, I think you were just more a straight up liquor person. Oh, I had my cocaine phase. So I would find when I did cocaine, I would stay up all night doing it. I would take Ambien and I would wake up and I would feel the, the, this lightness in my step and I wouldn't feel depressed and I would feel very well rested. And, and I was just like, what's the problem with doing cocaine? And then the next day, it would be the day after the day after suicidal thoughts would set in. It was so weird. It skipped a day on me. Maybe it lasted. Maybe the shelf life was longer in my system. The, 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 the coke hangover... It's depression. It's yeah, no, it's, a, it's an emotional yeah. uh, uh, nosedive. It's yeah. not, I, I found. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the, you know, for me, the the, the the alcohol hangover was a very physical thing. Yeah. Um, but but that cocaine, the coke hangover, which is the beginning of withdrawals. You know, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. You know, would just send you into a, a twilight zone of self-loathing. It was yeah. Just, you know, and yeah. Uh, and then the only way, of course, eventually. To not self-loathe and to feel normal is to do some more. Tell me about your cocaine face. Um, Well, there's one other question. Yeah. um, Uh Uh-oh. Is this about Frank Blade, right? So, no. And also, also, it is a city. The whole story of the West or all the weirdos from the East Coast 
coming across the country to reinvent themselves. This is a city of con men and creative people. Okay. But that's the story of the, that's the, the, story of the West. The weirdos is the part I resent. Not the con right, men not part. The, what's, the, what's the matter with being a weirdo? It's more being like crazy and unstable. That's who is drawn That's here. weird. You know who, you know the people who are thrown no, out of I the village? I think that's more common, actually. What? Being crazy and unstable. No, what's, what's, what? What's, un, what's uncommon is accepting it. Yeah, yeah. Because the paradigm doesn't want yeah broken toys. Right. The toy chain. We are all we are all the. Uh, it's the nation of misfit toys. Um, but you know. Yes. I L.A. Agree. is a L.A. is a it's, a. it's that's the whole point of the lint trap. The what? The lint trap metaphor. Okay. Okay. It's like it's all the weird stuff. All yeah. the yeah 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 right. The flakes and the con man and the people running from something and also more beautifully the people who have a dream. Have a dream or want to change. Yeah, I mean that's what I. That's why I love Los Angeles so much. And that's the only romantic dimension that I I, I like about. Other than the fact too that L.A. has a, a wildness about it um, that is different from any city that that I. I've what do you mean? Um, you know that a so much natural splendor nips at the heels of the entire sort of base, mm. and you go an hour in any direction, and there's some dramatic uh, no, nothing, yeah, know, wilderness. Uh, but it's still kind of a wild. There's a wildness mm. uh, uh, to it, uh, you know, that I find um, I find alluring. Can I find we, romantic. Can we go back to your? Are you done with your LA thoughts? Can we go back? Yes, to your, I'm just I'm defending New York because you. Yes, we can go back to. Let, we can talk all about Coke, all you want. No, I, yeah, no. It is true that I put I put New York lovers on the defensive because I attack that city, a, a city I love visiting. I love visiting it so. Yeah, so I love much. visiting Los Angeles. Well, I also live in the beautiful Toluca Lake, San Fernando Valley. Um, where everybody moves eventually, so, you know, yeah, you're so like ahead of your time. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay, so my impression, yes, was yes. That, that you enjoyed the liquor, mm-hmm. and I certainly did not ever expect you to uh, be a sober person. That blew uh-huh. my mind when I heard that, and I'm trying to remember how I heard that. I, uh, I probably approached you. You must have. I did. I, I think it was the fix. Yes, you emailed me um, out but of you the were, blue. You were also, you know, th- there were a handful of people in my life, including two very old friends from, from college, from my art school, who had done some amazingly violent partying with me. Just mm-hmm. crazy fucking shit. Just, mm-hmm. you know, um, who uh, one is 11 years sober and mm-hmm. the other is 14. The other... Uh, uh, you know, she was only sober because her arm was probably going to fall off of gangrene. Right, from shooting him, yeah, right? Yeah, um, So there are a handful of people mm-hmm. who are... Because for me, the path to sobriety was a gradual thing. I don't have... Uh, which is one reason, like, AA was difficult for me at mm-hmm. first. I don't have that... Uh, that crazy, inciting incident that mm-hmm. wrapping a tree around, a mm-hmm. car around a tree or... You know, um, I, I don't have that mm-hmm. story, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I have was a girlfriend at the time uh, who I loved very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we had a, uh, a terrible fight while I was mm-hmm. drunk, which I had terrible verbal fights. It's not the girlfriend that you're with now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But and then we had broken up and yeah, yeah, yeah. we got back together. Um, it was, it was, 
someone I, I got sober because someone I loved looked at me and said for the for the first time. Right. I think you're an alcoholic. Right. You know, and then and that was just this this earth shattering sort of thing to have somebody wow. who cares about you look you in the eyes and and, and tell you that because it's it's not something you you can necessarily tell somebody. I, I don't know. Right. You know, you, you you can't tell someone that. And and in her. Fury and in her heartbreak at my uh, anger the night before, mm-hmm. she just was like, a, you know, she just called me an alcoholic. Right. And that was just this terrible moment and therapy and, and stuff. But but I, it wouldn't have worked for me if I had not had, over the course of a couple of years, met people mm-hmm. who uh, blew up the stereotype mm-hmm. of sobriety. To, like Anna David, who's bored at every party? Um, Anna David, who was uh, a, uh, a lovely, talented, successful, charismatic, hardworking professional who was able to effortlessly uh, exist in this party world I was at. And flit about and fly to L.A. and be in New York and be here and sort of like there were people who I who I knew um, and it wasn't it was also people who I knew it was a, an essay that Roger Ebert yeah wrote yeah. Um, but it was me you know it, it was it was slowly seeing that you know because the the truth is we want to talk about the drunk alcoholic dichotomy. Um, you know the the idea too that there's one kind of alcoholic. Is is a is a is a misnomer, you know. Like a lot of people, I think, who have drinking problems, who uh, have uh, you know underlying uh, issues mm-hmm. that they medicate mm-hmm. alcohol with. When when you're like you're an alcoholic, they're like, well, I'm not, I'm not some broken guy in SRO who broke up with you know, like, right? You know, um, well, there's dual diet. I mean, it's co co-occurring disorders, basically mental right. illness coupled with alcohol. Right, and, I, and in many ways, I, you know, you're right, and there, it's coping. It's it's all kinds of sorts. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying that the stereotype the, of the alcoholic mm-hmm. is so iconic after 80 years of this sort of thing that um that to see it, it took me having to see people right. Uh, defy that. Right, interesting. So, to you, the al- the, the alcoholic or the sober person was what? Um, I would say, well, look, it was like my first meeting uh, that I, I, I dragged myself to. The meetings in New York are horrible, I'm just going to no, say. No, no. Uh, they taught me how to find the right one okay. because uh, I would eventually find some in NYU and near NYU and in mm-hmm. Chelsea mm-hmm. that were young. And, and, and I tell people, too, who come to me, I was like, look, these meetings, it's like a therapist. And I'm also... You know, I attribute my, my sobriety to uh, excellent therapy as well. Right, You right. know, I had an amazing therapist who, right. who was also able to help me through my, my AA prejudices. Right, right. You know, of which there were many, and I still have many, but, but, the, you know, but the fact is I'm, I'm, I, will, I can never uh, drink again because I will be unhappy. Right. Did that therapist ever tell you that she thought, he thought you needed to stop drinking? Or no. He... Gently led me into that because this sort of thing, it was ideal for me because I, I came to a point where I was like, I, I cannot right. drink anymore. A and B, not drinking would be the best thing that I could do. Right. Because uh, the point that I'm making is, you know, I, you know, uh, meeting, knowing that you were sober, 
uh, in public about it mm -hmm. and, and knowing other people who were sober in public about it mm -hmm. um, allowed me dared my imagination right. to think of sobriety as not this depressing right. daily yeah. struggle. Right. This dreary, bleak right. sort of my first meeting was literally like it was um it was a midtown and it was a windowless room right. in the back of wherever. Um I, and 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 again, because I didn't see myself, you know. I, well, but the truth is, I saw myself. Even if, right. Even if I, you know, even if you know, uh, uh, I just didn't connect with those with those. The very with depressing them. people sharing very depressing. Yeah, I'm a, that, that's that that's that's to. that's pejorative, you know. Because again, the truth is, is uh, I was new to it. There's a wide there was a wide variety of people there, and I think maybe I didn't like seeing myself because right, they were right. they were alcoholics just like, right, just right. like I was that's um, interesting I mean yeah. that I think is the problem with quote-unquote meetings I hate is that I don't want to see myself in those people yeah no that's absolutely true and but I mean I also think though it, it was an older yes group, yes okay you know yeah um, so, it was an older group and it was a group that I stumbled it was an open meeting but yeah. I stumbled in and it was a group that had a rapport um, and so I also probably felt like, like left out. odd man out. Yeah. Um, but like a therapist, because I think a lot of people get a therapist, you know, especially people who roll their eyes. Right. And but they, they get a therapist and it's a bad therapist. Yes. And they think you have to stick with that therapist. Yes. And I tell them it's be slutty. Like if you're, if you're a therapist, embrace them. Yeah. If, you're, if you want to seek help, if, if you don't connect, if there's yeah. no rapport or trust, right. it's nothing personal. Get another recommendation from somebody. Yeah. Try it another therapist. Yeah. Because that 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 trust, not that it's a, a true uh, relationship. It's a transactional. It's a yeah. He's a mental health yeah uh, professional. It's a transaction. Right. Um, and they're not your friend. They're not your right. your father or your whatever. Um, but there should be some kind of a rapport. And I would say even further because I've had I had a therapist in New York. I mean everything went awry in New York. No wonder okay. I was bored. Apparently. But I had a therapist. You were you look. <laughs> bored with the party because you know what maybe the party was, was boring. boring I'm sure it was <laughs> I'm sure your pitches weren't boring <laughs> you had to remind me that our relationship started with you rejecting me um no, I, um, but my therapist in New York, we had a rapport and I trusted him, but I only saw once I got into therapy back in LA with the right therapist that I found him incredibly depressing. So it's also, I think therapy is so influenced by the, the way you, that person looks at life. And this was like a depressed Jew. Uh, Jewish therapists are great. We love them. It's a Jewish holiday. I'm just saying that man in particular, I didn't realize that he it made me feel worse to be around him every week. Well, I mean, it's it's also a very you know human profession. Yeah, and you know, and that's why <clears throat> I think that that having that kind of chemistry. Yeah. You know, to, to just a little bit is, is important, and I and I think that works with meetings too. Right. Uh, and and I'm and by I'm in by no means an AA pusher. Yeah. And I could talk at length about it. Um, but at the same time, people who I know and love very much, you know, the, I, I had a very religious upbringing. Mm. I'm a Catholic. My mother, my dad was a 
the, my granddad was a Baptist preacher. Oh, wow. Uh, my mom was a Mexican Catholic. And so I had a lot I of... always forget there's Mexican. Yes, I'm half Mexican. So that's another thing, too. Maybe I just, I'm, you know, this is more my city than yours. Because that's another thing I've, I discovered about Los Angeles is people think it's a soulless city. But the soul of L.A., the it's, real soul, the kernel of it is, is it's a Mexican city. It's got a Spanish soul. Oh, I, I don't think L.A. is a soulless city. No, so. but, but the stereotype is, yeah. you know, the entertainment industry yeah. and the, fa- you know, the sort of, yeah. you know, there's an actual city of real people here, but the, right. the soul of it is, right. is Spanish. So you're the soul of L.A., or half of the That's soul. what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I had a very religious upbringing, yeah. so when I was confronted with that AA notion of... Yeah, surrender, Not just the high, because I'm also, like, pretty much, uh, a, a, you know, an atheist mm-hmm. who does not... But at the same time, um, my parents, I, I have very fond memories of the way my parents raised me in religion, mm-hmm. and it's, it reminds me of my folks, mm-hmm. and that notion that you are powerless, mm-hmm. that there are things beyond your control. Mm-hmm. You know that you know as they that Baptists love to say you know that will be done. Mm-hmm. You know that that it is someone else's you know the, the God's will. Mm-hmm. Is done, not yours. Yeah. That notion that you are powerless before the cosmos was not a revelation to me. Right. It was kind of a of a reaffirmation. Right. So the fact that I there's this you know that I can't drink mm-hmm. that 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 I am that I'm kind of like you know that 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 I could have a beer today and probably keep it together, but you know tomorrow. Maybe, maybe a week later, maybe a month later, my life's gonna go to shit. Right. I'm gonna be a very unhappy person. But your life was quote unquote working on a, on some levels when you. Oh, I was totally functional. I, <clears throat> I was totally functional. Not totally. I was kind of functional. Sure, I, yeah. I, I, you know, there were, you know, there were instances where. Uh, I would have employers be like, whoa. Oh, really? Oh, okay. sure. But at the same time, though, it's not like I was a banker right. or a heart surgeon. Right. You know, partly I'm like, you know, you know, partly I was like, well, this is what you want. Right, right. You know, you want a boozy guy who, you know, um, this is what you want, right? And then I would take my <laughs> work home with me. You know, the, the radio was a, was a golden age for my drinking because I would... You know, I was so not ready to perform, and I would finish that night show at 11, and I would go to a bar, my local bar, Mm -hmm. and if I had a good show, man, let's celebrate. Right. Uh, And if I would have a bad show... Let's drown sorrow. shit. You know, and so (laughs) I just got stuck in this endless... You know, and also anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety, fear... So, so when you, when you, you know, when your girlfriend said this to you and you went to therapy and you went to the meeting, how quickly did you then embrace sobriety? Oh, almost immediately. My my last drink was that night that I got into a fight. Wow. And it wasn't, you know, it was, it was just a, I was a, I was a, I was bitchy. It was a bitchy fight. It was just, you know, the way that, uh, you know, that, 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 that women excuse, you know, guys that have had a couple and the guy's a jerk and they have a fight. Right, right, right. You know. So you're saying it wasn't that bad. It was just that it was no, that's so what I'm saying. consistently. Uh, you know, it was just his moment. She was just like, right. you, have, you know, because she could see it. And do you have drinking, is, is alcoholism in your family? Um, 
Not that I know of. Yeah. I, you know, uh, it has to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, I've not drilled into that as much as... Uh, and so did you find it difficult? Uh, did you have to stop going to those parties? Uh, uh, anyone who quits drinking has to reevaluate their social strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly for a while. I played a lot of video games. I did a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of sitting on the bed and staring into the void. Um, but, you know, I had to, you had to do some pruning. You don't want to be that person. Right, right. You, know. you mean um, the one that says, I can't talk to you because I'm now so... Uh, I can't go to the party or I'm going to sit in the corner. You know, right. like, I had a lot of support. I had a lot of friends that were supportive. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know what's worse, the the, the people knowing that you're sober and... I had a lot of friends, and they were all super attentive to buying me Diet Cokes. Right, right. And, you know, so, but eventually I learned, too, that those parties were boring. Yeah, they are. It's not always. Not always. No, but it, it just, I, you know, and that's fine, because I, you know, because at the, you know, I, I went to so many of them, and I contributed yeah. to it. Yeah. It's boring uh, for me. Yeah. Not for them, and that's fine, because a lot of my friends now that go out drinking, they're going out. And drinking. Yeah. They're having fun. Yeah. This is once a month. It's whatever. It's healthy. They're drinking. They're not drunks. They're not yeah. alcoholics. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I'm there. Or I'll show up for an hour. Yeah. And and then, you know, and then just leave. Because it's fine. And so, and so, and you didn't have, like, detox. It was just, it was no. a sort of, okay. It was a crystallizing, and that's what I'm saying, though. I think a lot of people... Like, if you had asked me if I'm an alcoholic, I would have been like, you know, I'm like, well, for, here's, here's the thing. I was what we used to joke in my neighborhood as, um, I guess I was a, I guess they call it an Irish alcoholic, mm. but I would never drink at home. Okay. I never had any alcohol at home. Interesting. Not a drop. Right. You know, and I, and I uh, but no, they don't, the Irish alcoholic is... A redundant and B, um, oh, what do they call it? I forget it. Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, I would drink. Yeah. At the bar, I, you know, which was not. It was affordable because it was a. It was the borough, and I would just drink. Yeah. You know, two dollar yeah. uh, boiler makers, and um, I would drink up until <laughs> I got home. And if I didn't have alcohol at home, not not a drop. Right. How could I be an alcoholic? Right, right, right. How could I be an yeah, alcoholic? Yeah. I have a job. Yeah. How could I be an alcoholic? So before this I am is... a handsome, charming, you know, drunk. <laughs> you know. But... So you had, before this crystallizing conversation, that thought, those thoughts had been plaguing you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, not plaguing. I just, I was... They were I was, there. I, well, no. I would have moments where I could see the possibility mm-hmm. of... Uh, another way of, of, of living my life. Mm-hmm. Were you drinking every night? Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, like... But, you know, like, it's that negotiation that a lot of, a lot of us have. It's like, well, if I can... If I can not drink on the Lord's Day... Right. That is a sign... That everything's cool. That I have superhuman self-control. Yeah. It's never... It's never... Well, if I'll only drink once a week... It's always, yeah. well, if I could not drink on Sunday, yeah. one day, yeah. that's me showing yeah. you. Proving. 
proven. So, and you would have six, seven cocktails. Well, I mean, did you, do you know? Oh, yeah, sure. The baseline, the baseline was three bourbons with beer chasers and maybe one buyback. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that was uh, normal. Mm-hmm. That was just like, how can I be an, alcohol- an alcoholic? Has six. Yeah, right, whatever. Right, five. Yeah. Um, looking back, that's a phenomenal amount of alcohol to have in an hour. Every, you know, yeah. I would just blah, blah. Um, but that, that was my baseline. I mean, I had quit smoking weed mm-hmm. when I was 30. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I sobered up when I was, I'm 39 now, mm-hmm. so 37, mm-hmm. 36. Um, I can't do math. Um, leave me alone. <laughs> Frank Lloyd Wright. Um, yeah, so so you had, had you smoked a lot of pot before then? Oh, yeah, huge stunner. Oh, okay. But I had quit it uh, pretty effortlessly, as I think a lot of people, you know. Um, right, well, when there's alcohol around, it can be very effortless. Um, I didn't like the the hangover. The pot hangover made me stupid, and I could not be stupid at work. Pot didn't make you stupid, just the hangover did? Uh, but when I was high, that's fine, but the, the, the morning after right. when, I'd go to, when I'd have to go to work, the right. hangover right. I gotcha. like, made me Interesting. Like, like dull. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, not sharp. Yeah. And that affected my livelihood. Well, okay, and so then, and so then, when you were say two years sober, you made the move from New York to LA mm-hmm. and had to find a new support system. Ish. Well, no, I've, I have friends out here who have been, who are sober. Yeah. Uh, and who su- supported me. I, I'll tell you that the, it's e- I found it easier to be. It is much sober easier. here. Oh, partly okay. cultural. Yeah. Culturally, um, partly just a different. Everything, you know, um, but a lot of my friends out here are um, either, if not wholly and completely 100% supportive of the sober lifestyle, they themselves yeah. are also sober. Okay. And, um, and yeah, and for work, I mean, are you, we could talk a little bit about that. I mean, I, it, what have I... <laughs> Are we done? Is that, we're not well, done. Let's recap. We're never done. We're going to recap. We're definitely um, going to recap. Uh, well, first of all, I feel like we should, we should talk about Red Eye maybe a little bit. <laughs> uh, I Hey, Red Eye was a lot of fun. Did, you know that I was on it a lot too. We were on it together. No, like, I was just wondering that. I don't think so. Maybe once. We were on it like twice. <laughs> You look so offended. I'm totally offended. Well, it was. It, I do know that it was a challenge to be on with you because you were so sparkling oh, so and witty, shit, you know, and and I always, so, I was always so self conscious. And you're so you did political. that with a, you, and you know what? You couldn't even do that with a straight face. You I'm serious. You couldn't even do that with a straight face. I, you don't edit this. I don't. Right? She was grinning. <laughs> Just grinning like Lady Satan while she was, quote, flattering me. No, unquote. I mean this. I mean this because I'm always... Okay, am I grinning now? <laughs> yeah, grinning. right. Um, I'm always self-conscious doing Red Eye, and you are so intelligent and informed about politics and... and um, I, uh, I, I have a, a soft spot for Greg and Andy and Bill. Yeah. Uh, I have done a lot of political parody. Yeah. I am a, a, a pinko uh, communist. Uh-huh. Um, Fox News is a complicated um, organization 
with a political bent I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those gentlemen, you know, some people return your calls when you're laid off and some people don't. Yeah. And they return my calls and I am uh, and will forever be grateful and very proud yeah. uh, to be part of a supremely bizarre show yeah. on a three in the morning. Because say what you will about Fox and say what you will about Red Eye. I mean, it's been on for six years. Uh, it has had its different eras and different missions. Um, but but I'm, I'm still very proud to have been part. I mean, I, I, I sat next to John Bolton. And, you know, a guy who I, I deeply politically disagree with, Ann Coulter, mm. I've sat next to her a couple mm-hmm, of times, and I have powerful opinions about her, mm-hmm. um, but, I, you know, it was, we were at a table, there was a, a bonhomme, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, you know, I, I could virulently disagree, but it, it was very, very, conge- you know, yeah. very cordial. Yeah. Uh, almost friendly. Yeah. Um, I, and, I, and I and I like that because friends of mine are always like, well, "How did you, blah, 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 Dana Perino? How did you?" And I'm just like, "Well, you know, d- you know, just did. I could not disagree with her more. I, you know, Greg. Yeah. Writes some things that I'm just like, I, you know, I put my my glass down on my nose and I right. cluck. It's like Greg, Greg, Greg. Right. Um, but that's okay. You know. And so you. We were on like the show like twice. I think once. I think possibly it was so it was so scarring to be so so um, you know not shit. able to so, shine so because of you, you, you are taking the limelight naturally oh. and effortlessly as is your way. Oh, yeah. And terrible. Person. Who else were we on with then? Tell me that. Um, well, you, you remember great, it so well. In the great tradition of Anna David. Uh, you you were so effervescent. Uh huh. It's blind. You blind. I I, I it blocked out. Who else could have been? Yeah. On that show, probably some dude from Wall Street. Maybe they love. They love them some to, fucking. Maybe it was Anna Coulter. Oh, That's no, possible. Well, so, okay, and so you um, you moved out to L.A., you now run this website. Do we talk about that? Do we not want to talk about it? You, I don't care. Well, I don't know why you would ask, because we don't edit this. Okay, so we're not going to talk about it. But we are going to talk about uh, it. I know, I moved out here for a job, yeah. and it's a great job. Yeah. Um, yeah, free of any of the angst of my, uh, of, of went on in a, and you're, I, I'm, you know, it's, it's gone, I'm quite... Um, happy in regards to the sobriety. Yeah. You know, um, it is without any, uh, it's a completely 100% uh, positive thing. Um, and it is probably one of the absolute best things I have ever done. Right. You know. Because um, that lack of angst, don't you think that is a large part of it? Um, because I have found ways to manage the insecurities and anxieties that plague us all mm-hmm. instead of painting over them mm-hmm. um, or, or, or anesthetizing myself mm-hmm. from them. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, I was, you know, unhappy, mm-hmm. you know, because like, like pickling yourself... Drinking away your problems is this weird kind of like a time travel. It, it, you know, you 
It's just weird because you know that when you sober up, uh, sh- you know shit comes back. Yeah. Chickens come home to roost, and emotions yeah. uh, flood back in, and you know like like like, you know the thing about about drinking too much is it allows you to not take responsibility for your actions. Right. And for a lot of things. But but specifically that 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 responsibility for your actions. Right. You know like a. You know, okay. Here's the thing. Like, uh, you know, when I was drinking, I was I was notoriously bad about paying my bills. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd pay them late. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a freelancer, I would not pay my taxes. Oh, yeah. And that shit would come back to haunt you, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and that's like low level junky behavior. That's right. that's that's being like, oh, bills. You know what? I'm going to drink. I'm going to put this down right. on the newsstand, right. and I'm going to forget about it, right. and I'm not going to take responsibility for that, and then, right. and then when my electricity gets turned off... Did that, would that happen? Oh, sure, and then, and then I, you know... Immediately I, Yeah, that. right, yeah. Like, I'm so sorry, but like, that's like that kind of bullshit. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, you know, so, so it is 100% uh, positive to be able to take full responsibility. Right for my actions Mm -hmm. because the worst feeling I think is being in that alcoholic haze and having to eventually take responsibility for you know decisions you failed to make right you know like um so so it's 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 a hundred percent positive and it's very empowering uh to feel uh, that I, I am, uh, you know, I'm, 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 as, I'm as fully responsible as I've ever been. What do you, how do you handle that, or how did you handle, or how do you continue to handle the onslaught of emotions that had been bottled up and that you weren't used Dancing. to? Dancing. <laughs> like, um... Oh, you don't like that answer. Um, do you? I mean, you are <laughs> a humorist. You mean... Why did that get the eye roll? No, no, okay. Through art? Through the expression? Okay, fine. I just don't believe you. What? About dancing. Okay, well, I'm not publicly. Um, well, I mean, therapy. Yeah, so you found a new one out here? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, walking, mm-hmm. you know, is a... Uh, a scientifically proven form of anxiety maintenance. Maintenance or sort of uh, yeah, anxiety reducing. Sure, but okay, I mean, uh, but 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 maintaining, uh, you know, because uh, the, the there have been multiple studies about, you know, there's a uh, you know, there have been examples of it throughout history too, where people have talked about the the psychological benefits of movement. Right, but not so um, you don't take it far enough to go like you know. To a gym or like run, it's just um, well, no, walking. working out has that that, yeah. that benefit as well. Yeah, uh, but uh, uh, but walking, okay, um, is just the very and it's a very simple uh, sort of thing because it's not even working out though. Yeah, you know, um, um, uh, just just the movement of it and going through the meditative qualities of that very basic. Sort of form of of exercise is a and and do you can think about doing program more uh, the uh, the program yeah as they say I yeah I just I, I feel it, it it's a you know AA is is a it, it's a remarkable 
piece of American uh, genius in a way, mm -hmm. you know, that, that those two gentlemen, you know, people have to understand, A, you know, how, how primitive psychology was and how epidemic a problem alcohol was. Well, and that, and that psychology had failed to make Oh, completely impact. failed. Yeah. And that's what I mean, primitive in the yeah. most... The most and, and, it, and it remained primitive for decades, too. Um, that they were able to invent this uh, uh, out of almost whole cloth, without even really any research other than their own right. you know, experiences, uh, these fail-safes, these, these, these uh, series of fail-safes and systems to, to keep people... From not drinking. Mm -hmm. Because for an alcoholic, for an AA, it's a zero-sum game. Mm -hmm. You know, you are you are sober or you're not. There's no... Right. Uh, and that they came up with a series of fail-safes that weren't entirely scientific. Right. That were partly wisdom, partly religion. Arguably not scientific at all. Sure, right. Except in the very kind of basic, like, um, uh, anecdotal, evidential, you know, like, right. like, here's my, you know, experiences having drink and all this sort of time right. you know because that's the thing too you know but you know AA is very much like church there's a homily there's choruses you know people talk in unison um, it's very much like 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 church um, um what's homilies the, the 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 pastor the speaks the um the, the oh so you're saying the people sharing like the 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 speaker is sort of like the pastor sure I mean well it's a, it's, a, it's a group event Right. Uh, it's a, uh, you know, there's, there's that aspect of theater that, you know. There's a very little unison speak. I mean, there's like. No, but, but, but there is a scripture and there is the, there are various rituals in that hour that everyone knows. Yes. Right. And this is not in the negative sense, whatever. Uh, right. Uh, uh, these kinds of group rituals have been part of humanity for forever right uh, and and there's a reason why we find comfort in them right um, but it's, it's a remarkable program and incredibly complicated and I think maybe it kind of chafes here and there uh, uh, because you know psychology and society is changing mm -hmm. and it's you know how it looks at you know like I I, I respect people that that need to remain anonymous. Yeah. Um, I, early on, made the decision to speak about it publicly mm -hmm. um, for a multitude of reasons. Number one, I'm proud of it. Yeah. Uh, number two, I am... Um, it was a check for me because also, I, you know, I want all my friends to know it because mm -hmm. uh, I wanted it to be easy for friends of mine who are uncomfortable with it. Yes. To... to fade away and have happy oh interesting lives. right 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 if you know yeah uh, uh, I I don't drink yeah and it's all cool yeah and you don't don't invite me to your party yeah did anybody say anything to you that was weird never yeah I, you know I had one in the early days when I when I was really shaky uh, I had one um, like a, the wife of a friend get drunk and not like that I wasn't party yeah. boy. Yeah. In fact, you know, and the thing too, when you tell somebody 
that you're an alcoholic, they react the same way you tell somebody that you had a death in the family. They do. You know, they when I, when, when, you know, when my dad died, um, I would always get the, you know, I'm sorry, what did he die of? Right. And I'm like, you know, lung cancer. Was he a smoker? Right. It's like, well, yeah, he was. And, and it's pure human nature. Right. But what, what you're thinking is, am I going to get it? Yeah. Could I get it? Totally. Oh, he's a smoker and he's yeah. old. Yeah. I'm not a smoker. I'm not old. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, the, the, you know when, so I, when I would tell people I'm an alcoholic, right. you know, really what their first response is, is yeah. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm or like, I am. I mean, that's who's uncomfortable with it. Oh, I, I have, but no, no, I'm, whether they are or are not, yeah. uh, the, the reaction I found too. Is they're just, not thinking about you, they're thinking about that. Right, right. And again, very, it's a very human, self-interested, fear, sort of like, like, like reaction. And it's a very awkward sort of thing. I, because I told uh, a number of close friends, and all of my close friends that I told, um, even those that were a little floored by it, mm -hmm. even those who I had partied with. Yeah. Um, I, across the board, they were supportive, and mm -hmm. you know, um, but there were people who, you know, that reaction. Is just like, you know, well, do you think I am? It's like, well, I'm not. Right, because do I think that people who drink a lot confuse sober people with cops sometimes, and <laughs> they think right. they think that sober people are going around and being like, uh huh, uh huh, making a note of that, right. and that we're judging when, like, really, we're probably thinking about ourselves. Um, I, it's not my. Uh, it's I, I just. I've had people reach out to me, of course, as you mm -hmm. have, you know, mm -hmm. you know, am I an alcoholic? And I'm just like, I don't. Yeah, I can't say. I, like, I don't know. Yeah. A, B, would never be my place. Yeah. To tell you. Yeah. What you are or yeah. are not. Yeah. You know? Um, and I accept, too, that there is, you know, it's one thing that I think a lot of alcoholics need to remember, too, is that, you know, the, the, the vast majority of people don't have drinking problems. Yeah. You know, the vast majority of people have a couple a week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, um, the vast amount of people might binge in their 20s and then grow out of it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so uh, I also need to remind myself too that 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 I'm not the norm. Right. You know, and that and that uh, most of my friends even those who will go out and get a little red nose, have a couple too much wine, have a good they're being normal. Right. Right. You know? And 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 that helps me too, you know. They're being normal. And I will go to their party, but once they go to Fun Town, yeah, which is three drinks. Yeah. Um I'm not fun anymore. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. That is okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I'm fine with that. Well, I think this has been delightful. Are you sure you don't edit any of this? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I kind of Do like... Do you know how to edit? Yes, of course. Why would you ask me? Right. You think Frank Lloyd Wright would ask me such a question? Um, now, I think that what's marvelous about podcasts is the humanity that you can think <laughs> Is that right? Yes. <laughs> I am serious. That, like, you don't... It's not all edited uh, perfectly. Uh -huh. That's uh -huh. what we like. Right. When I say we, I mean... The podcast community of yeah, Los Angeles. I'm, they elected me spokesperson, which is really exciting. A lot of fucking podcasts in this town. Yeah. Too many. I don't disagree. Right. Um, if people were interested in finding you, I know that they could go to johndevore.com. 
Uh, yeah, it's a boring old website. You can follow me on Twitter. Yeah, that's not boring. Um, and that is at Jean DeVore. Yes, it, that is. Yeah. Um, I'm very flattered. I'm so glad. Uh, I wrote an essay for you about the fix. You did, you did. But the first person that I told I was an alcoholic. Yeah, a chicken vendor. Right, uh, of, uh, like a food truck. Yeah. Late at night. The yeah. guy who I used to go and order food from uh, yeah. when I was trashed. Um, that was a big uh, milestone for me. Because that, that was, was your coming out. Uh, for, uh, on a public yeah. uh, sort of level. It was a piece of writing that I, 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 I enjoyed. That was very good. Yeah, it was very good, always, yeah. Um, but that was a big deal for me, and you, you made that uh, uh, a very easy process, you know, so thank you for that. No, I mean, you're... Uh, and it was a great, like, $50, so... <laughs> you got to retire off of that, which was great. Um, you're such a talented writer. It was, it was easy. I was thrilled that you wanted to do it. I know? like the fix. I like the... It's gone. Did you know that? I did. Okay. Um, but I like the core idea. Do you know that this podcast is a subsidiary of my site, which is even better? Yes, of course. Of course. Yeah. So... Why don't you plug your side? After party chat. Well, these people know. Uh, well, of course they know, but I just want to see. No. Uh, yeah, no, the fix was, was what it was. No, it's been done for a while, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I wrote one essay. Yeah. This is brilliant. Um, and I'm so glad that that was a good experience. What that website did yes. was it gave you a platform to evangelize your brand. Oh, did it? Of of life-affirming, positive, sober living. Possibly it did that. Possibly. Um, yeah, it was It was a definitely a very... I learned a lot doing that. Right. And, um, and I am grateful. Which is why I'm a fan of yours. Yes. I'm a fan. Well, it's very mutual. Um, so <laughs> I, I'm gonna, can I have gum now? You can have gum now. I'm going to stop this. This was super fun.